Hello and welcome to Shaman Sister Sessions, episode 71. I am Michelle Hawk and I am here with my Shaman Sister, Catherine Bird. This podcast offering grew out of our friendship, our sisterhood, and our conversations of what it means to do this work in the world. Who are we as divine embodied beings? Who are we as practitioners? And how can we love more, experience more, serve more, and offer more for ourselves, for all beings on earth, and for the earth herself? Today, we are delighted to bring into the conversation the realm of healing the inner child. This is a vitally important piece of work and of this practice that impacts us all as we go back and heal any child parts of ourselves that experience trauma. It relates to several past episodes that we've done, so we'll be interspersing with that today of, hey, go back and listen to this or go back and watch this for further information. But let's, yeah, let's just start out with a... A little, I don't know, I feel like just doing a couple of deep breaths, honestly. I feel like I need that right now. So can we just begin with just a couple of dropping in breaths? Yeah? Yeah, let's do it. Great. Okay. Uh, let's go ahead and together, if you'd like to join us, I don't know why you wouldn't, but let's go ahead and exhale everything out. Deep inhale. And exhale with a sigh. <sighs> Good. Deep inhale. Exhale with a sigh and a smile. <sighs> Offering ourselves this space and time to drop into our innocent hearts. Inhale. Exhale with a sigh and a smile. <sighs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. That was That was wonderful. I really needed that right now so thanks for joining me how are you doing <laughs> I'm doing good I don't know it's kind of a weird time I think I think the 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 solstice I think ever since the solstice I feel like I've my my ass has just been kicked against the wall sort of <laughs> so um and I know that there's a lot of uh astrological kind of uh, stuff coming up. So, um, and, and a lot of stuff around, you know, being true to who we are and, uh, like really feeling into what it is that makes us happy and what that we want to do and, and being that authentic expression of ourselves, uh, which is definitely coming up for me. And so there's a lot of, of places that feel, um, in, in, uh, I don't know, like just looking more deeply and being present with and, and sometimes that's not the most comfortable place to be. Um, and I think it's also this amazing time that we're having this discussion about the inner child as this time of the summer season coming into focus and the, the energy that is the summer of this childlike energy and then also this focus on hey what makes you happy what's the thing that's lighting you up and it doesn't have to be what anybody else is doing and and what's that authentic expression I think is very present right now which is also the realm of of the child so I'm excited to talk about this today how you doing Michelle I am definitely feeling some of those similar themes and I think the 
uh, you know, to mention the correspondence that you're referring to, Kat, for those who might be unfamiliar, is, you know, looking at the medicine wheel. How do we journey through the medicine wheel? And the, the realm of summer corresponding to the south, corresponding to the, the fire, the element of fire, is the realm of the child. And so please keep that in mind as we go into this work today from the shamanic perspective. Those are the, the elements and the energies that we're dealing with. I think I'm, I'm noticing a lot of those similar themes and uh, in terms of connecting with the original self and the original medicine, which is also in the realm of the inner child. You know, so let's just take a moment and think back to, and this is a topic that we've brought up a lot in this podcast is, how do we know what our work is? How do we know what our, our truest essence is? Well, who were you as a child? Who were you before you learned who you had to be, quote unquote, or who you were supposed to be, or, or any of these societal conditioning pieces that came into play? Connecting with the original self usually involves a journey into connecting and, and working with the inner child and working with the, the innocent heart, which is why even during that, those couple of breaths, that's why I mentioned let's drop into our innocent heart uh, and, and know that that is the realm of child, of the inner child. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I guess where we maybe should start is sort of a definition or what are we talking about here? Inner child, we hear inner child you know, work or uh, working with the inner child and what the heck does that actually mean? I mean, I think we can all assume that we have a childlike self that is within us, but what are we really talking about here? Mm -hmm. There's a, a couple of different pieces at play and I think they're both really important. So one of which is we're speaking with our, our personal uh, you know, looking at childhood experiences, looking at things in our lived reality, our lived experience of our child self and how that has landed within us and grown and how we have grown from that place and, and all of the pieces that took place in our lived childhoods that inform who we are now and also the archetypal perspective of the archetype of the child. And there are many different faces of that child. There's the, um, you know, the, the magic child, the, um, the wounded child, the abandoned child, the, um, the innocent child, like the fairy child, all of these different faces of the child archetype. And yet, uh, I think again, just keeping it pretty simple, looking at lived experience of, of childhood and of our personal relationship to the child self and also the archetypal child and how what is the union the combination of both of those pieces in the self that constitutes the inner child's personal experience and archetypal energies yes that's very well said because both of those are at play within us and sometimes we might we might get confused because we might be having a connection to an archetypal energetic of uh, a child aspect of ourselves that maybe we came in with and we're, we're running throughout this lifetime and it's something that we need to look at. And it might not have a huge bearance on the actual reality of our childhood. And I guess maybe vice versa, maybe. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And looking at the interplay of, uh, you know, what is, what is the impact of our lived experience and how does that either inform any archetypes and, and here we're getting into a little bit of, of topic around, you know, past life influences or karmic influences that have a bearing on what are we coming in with and how is that uh, informed by our lived experience. So whenever we're working with the inner child, this is something that honestly, I think every single person throughout their healing journey probably addresses at some point or looks at at some point is what was your childhood experiences? What is your current relationship to your inner child? And how does that need to come into an aspect of healing or an aspect of um, of illumination in order to integrate. This is one of our key words here is how do we integrate the energies of our inner child to come into whole expression? You know, especially most of the people tuning into this, we're adults, right? And yet if we're, if we have unintegrated aspects of our child selves, we're not completely whole. Exactly. And then we will find ourselves acting out shadow behaviors doing things that maybe aren't of our highest expression and integrity and wondering why the heck are we behaving this way or why do I still have these same patterns and issues showing up in my life and my relationships or why do I have certain um, feelings of, of, of woundedness that are inside of me that have no bearance on the current situation that I, I have in my life. Say that I, I feel like I'm constantly, I'm, I'm afraid that my partner is going to abandon me and I feel like I'm in this abandonment energy a lot and my partner is super showing up and being really present and, and loving and kind and saying I'm there and I'm here and we're in this and let's do this. And yet there is something that is coming from this older energy that needs to be integrated and healed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really common example. You know, any, um, I think particularly any of these childhood energies impacting intimate relationships, this is where we see that play out a lot because then, and you know, we can get into the whole, okay, what role does your partner then represent for you? A parent role or a, um, a grandparent role, a mentor, you know, something in that uh, playing out the paradigm of someone I love will leave me. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's a really common example. So, uh, so with this, you know, we're talking about integrating the, the wounds and integrating the traumas and the lessons of the inner child in order to come to a place of wholeness. Here, I think this is where, you know, a lot of us have childhood wounding. Actually, I think it's pretty safe to say all of us have childhood wounding, whether or not, you know, we had any specific traumas or, you know, it, we're traumatized by all sorts of things. You know, the, the trauma of birth for one, you know, coming to live in a human body is a hugely traumatic experience. So at the, at the bare minimum, we all have that. And, and with that, we have these, um, these energetic signatures that inform the, the wounding patterns of our child selves. And if they go unchecked or unintegrated or unrecognized, they inform our wounding patterns throughout the rest of our lives. So it's really important, you know, looking, Kat, at the example you gave of, I'm afraid that my partner will abandon me. That doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your current lived experience of being in partnership and working on it from this perspective probably isn't going to help 
honestly, until you go back and work on it from the child point and then have the ripple effect of it affecting your current lived experience. Yeah, exactly. And we like to think that because I'm no longer in a certain situation that somehow I'm a-okay. And it's, it's rarely the case, right? That we are constantly being affected by the things that happened to our child self. And like, it doesn't even have to be wounding and trauma. There are, uh, and I know Michelle, like we work with a lot of people who are called to the healer's path and to the shamanic path and, and in mentorship work, uh, working with people who have psychic abilities or channeling abilities and so on and f so forth, there are often moments in time from childhood where one can recall, if guided to do so, the moments when we decided, oh, that's not safe, I'm not okay doing this, I'm being told that's too weird, I'm being told not to say that to someone, I'm, I'm getting judgment from a parent or a sibling or someone at school and I'm, I'm going to, or I'm having, I'm seeing something, there's some sort of being that showed up in my bedroom at night. I'm having a spiritual experience with some sort of energy or receiving something and that's frightening me and so I'm shutting that down. And so this is another place where inner child work is really important because it can also give us information as to some of our gifts that we might be currently hiding or that are waiting for us to be more fully expressed that can explain some of the ways that we are now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and in regards to that, that aspect of, you know, maybe suppression of gifts or, or being told, no, that's not okay. I mean, our wounds and traumas don't have to necessarily look very dramatic or abusive or traumatic. They can still have traumatic effects and, and still play out in these roles. So the one that you mentioned, Kat, yes, a very common one, especially in the realm that we work with in the communities we work with of, and then it's an aspect of, you know, reclaiming and remembering, again, that original medicine, that aspect, oh, my child self talked to spirits and talked to fairies and knew that magic was real. And, and that was, you know, the full expression of my innocent heart. Again, remembering that the innocent heart is the realm of the child. And through learning, okay, that's not okay, stepping out of my innocent heart, stepping out of my full expression. And then it is, it then becomes a journey of reclaiming and reuniting with the whole actualized self as expressed in the inner child. Yeah. That's, you know, there's a lot of pieces at play here. And I think the, um, they can be not necessarily super obvious either. Mm -hmm. And, and I'll offer a personal example here of something that, uh, that I am currently working with and experiencing in my, my lived experience as an adult, I have, um, you know, my, my childhood was a relatively peaceful and, and, uh, you know, supported and loving experience. And I am currently having the lived experiences of a lot of challenge around my living situation and around the feeling of, I don't, uh, I, it doesn't feel stable to me. It doesn't feel 
um, predictable to me. And this has been the case for years now, years and years. I have been in this, this uncertainty and this slight anxiety, sort of chronic anxiety around my living situation. And there's been a lot of transition and instability. And recently I started looking at where the heck is this coming from? I'm doing everything I can to, you know, to move in a direction of stability. And recently it occurred to me that when I was 10 years old, my family moved to Germany. And uh, at the time, I mean, I was excited. I, um, I was a little bit nervous, but yeah, sure. You know, let's go check this out. And we were there for a year. So, but you know, having moved to a brand new country where I didn't speak the language, going to school with completely new people, I had no friends. I had to, you know, completely reinvent my community and reinvent my, uh, my, relationships and then to go back and be in a different place again with uh, even though I was still back in the same um, in the same place you know it was again this process of complete reinvention and complete um, unpredictability in my living situation and so there was I think that set the tone for me of a little bit of I don't know where I'm gonna be next and I don't know when I'm gonna lose everyone around me and I don't know if um, you know I'm, I'm gonna feel abandoned of like oh I thought this was gonna be my home but not anymore and so playing with the current experience of how can I go offer context to my my child self who didn't know what was happening as a 10 year old and didn't have any sovereignty to make decisions about that Whereas now I do have the sovereignty and the awareness to make decisions around that and not go from this place of anxiety and panic and uncertainty. That's a current practical example for me. Yeah. And that, that's a, it's, that is an amazing example. And one of the things that you said in there was to offer context to my child self. And I think that that is just like highlight and underline that line because that is a lot of what inner child work is, is around starting to offer context to this part of you that still exists that is living with an awareness of a child experience where it, it doesn't have the context of today. It doesn't have the context of I am powerful and I am safe and I am in charge of my life and I can make money and I can make decisions and I am in you know a place that's safe I you know all of these different contexts that are now there is generally still parts of us because we are we are made up all of all these different parts there are still parts of us that are kind of living in the past they're living as if Right now, I'm 10 years old, and I have no idea where I'm going to be next. And so it is helpful for us as adults to start to recognize those places where, wow, when I was little, this was happening to me. I didn't feel safe in that moment. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel powerful. I didn't feel important, whatever this is, and to kind of you know, go back in time in a way in the moment that's now in our meditations and to be with that part of ourselves and offer the thing that that child most needed and wasn't receiving in that moment. And that might be context over 
this is what's going on, or support, love, kindness, and just a place to feel safe. Because now you can go, I'm safe. Why do I feel so unsafe? I'm obviously safe here. So where is the part of me that feels unsafe? Let me travel to that part. Let me invoke it. Let me call it to presence in this moment. Let me be present with it. Let me see what it really needs. And let me actually offer myself, that part of me, that thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You listed a lot of really important tools in there, Kat. And, and we will be elaborating on some of these, you know, some of what you mentioned. Um, there are different modalities and practices that work yeah. with this. One that I know we both do is journey work. And really, that's what you're describing is this meditation and, and journey to call in and invoke the, the inner child self and, and perhaps journey to those experiences or with those experiences. Mm -hmm. And we do have an episode on shamanic journey and astral travel. So that would be a, a good, yes, we do. I promise. <laughs> I'm like, I have no <laughs> idea what we've done. <laughs> no, okay. uh, so that would be a good one to check out if, if you're interested in more of that. Um, but yeah, again, asking, you know, a helpful perspective from this, I, again, using myself as an example, one of the pieces that I'll, that I'm asking that slash will be asking myself is, um, what, what feelings or beliefs or fears did I have that either I didn't, I wasn't able to articulate at the time? Cause this, this is another piece is as a child self, we're not necessarily ev even able to express what exactly we're feeling or what exactly the, the fears or the concerns are. And I am 100% certain that as a 10 year old, I remember being excited because I could tell that, you know, my parents were asking, well, how do you feel about moving to Germany? It was already a done deal. Like I knew that I knew that, okay, it's happening. I can either like, yeah, let's go for it. Let's travel, like be excited. Or I can be sad and, and resentful. And, and that just, I, I didn't really, I, I wanted to be excited and I could tell that they liked that I was excited. So I was getting excited and getting jazzed because I saw that it felt more, it felt good to them that I was excited. And I saw that they were asking my brother who, my younger brother who was expressing some reservation that I could see that that was, there was like concern there. So there was an element of pleasing my parents that was going on. And so going back and really sitting with, well, what did I actually feel under that? And maybe, maybe you already know as you're, you know, sitting with your inner child self, or maybe there's an element of, well, as a child, I couldn't even articulate and didn't even consciously wasn't able to express any of those that I was feeling. So really using again, the context and the abilities, the, the adult um, aspects that we have to be able to go and give words, give context, give give um space for the full expression of the child experience yeah I think and letting those emotions be felt yeah. and acknowledged that they because so often as children our emotional experience was not validated and for some of us way more than others and also like michelle it's like when you're looking at it what you're describing it's like looking at a gem and you're looking at all of these different facets so you're like, okay, well, yeah, I didn't have the context. I didn't have this. But then, oh, I was doing people-pleasing. So, okay, well, where does that 
facet of the experience, how has that shown up in what I'm experiencing now? So I'm experiencing maybe feeling chaos and uncertainty and, and lack of safety. Oh, and at the same time, I also see where I'm doing people pleasing in, in, in the experience that I'm having now. So it gives us that up. Yeah, awesome. Another thing for me to look at. <laughs> it's, you're right. It is that. Because you're till I totally see you doing that. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you for that reflection. But good point. Yes. You know, this is a um, looking at all those aspects of the, the subtle pieces at play in a moment or in a pattern of behavior and and there are so many things that we can look at this with and, and I invite you all now just take a moment and kind of look at what is something that's showing up in my life right now and play with it and look back to does this have a root in a lived experience of my childhood and I'm going to bet there is probably something in there that is related, either you know something that you learned, some trauma that you experienced. And, and again, trauma here is a very, I'm using this as a broad term. For me, moving was, was a trauma of sort, even though it was you know, with a loving, caring family and you know, I had all my needs met materially and had a beautiful place to live and got to travel as a kid and live in a foreign country, there was still aspect of trauma there of unsafety, abandonment, and I don't have a fucking choice. So that, that has been the trauma that has carried through. So I invite you to look at what, even if it looks like it's okay, and it, on a, and it might not, a lot of us have really, you know, some messed up stuff that happens in our childhood, it might be very obvious. And yet pick it apart a little bit and look at what are all the subtle pieces that might be having threads throughout to my, my adult self, my lived experience now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's important to note that sometimes if we have had some significant traumas in our life, we'll become so like focal pointed on those experiences that we forget to look further into the little stuff that happened, you know, that, oh, I feel really blocked creatively and I am, you know, looking at it from, okay, well, it's my rude and sacral, sh I'm looking at it from this place and, oh, I, I experienced trauma as a child in this, in this area because I had this very intense thing happen and, you know, it might be because a teacher said, that's not the way that you draw that. And you're like, ah, I've just decided that I, have, I am wrong or whatever I draw something. So it can be so tiny and subtle and it can feel like something that right now when you look at it, it would feel insignificant. And at the time, probably your parents would look at it and go, well, what's the big deal? That's completely insignificant. Like, that's not going to mess my kid up. Um, <laughs> obviously, this is just life, you know. Um, but it can be things that are, we would not necessarily see them as something that, uh, that we might have made a huge decision about ourselves around or, you know, be carrying as some sort of energetic, you know, baggage we stuck in our bag and we're like, okay, I'm just going to take this with me and this is how I'm going to live my life from here on out. Mm hmm I'm, you just reminded me of a childhood moment of mine, which I'm connecting to why I don't paint anymore. So 
I'm having a healing experience right now, you guys. <laughs> what? Ooh, yeah. Okay. Keep you keep talking for a second. I need to- <laughs> And, and sometimes that's as much as it takes. So sometimes it just takes that like, ah, oh my God, I just realized that, um, you know, I, I had a huge healing this, um, you know, over time around, uh, I have an older brother. He was much bigger than me and he was six years older than me and he was an athlete and he was much bigger and he would just pummel the shit out of me and just just like he always wanted to play like sporting things basically so he could pick me up and like body slam me and you know i had to realize over time that there was so much stuff that i was carrying around um you know my interactions with men when men who looked a certain way would come into my field my like bristle and like my need to be a certain way around them and the men that I chose to date and you know you might go well but it, like it wasn't like significant trauma but uh it was it, it informed a lot of things that I decided about myself that I decided about men in general that I decided about how I had to show up in the world who I had to be in the world that maybe wasn't in full alignment with who I actually who I actually am mm-hmm. so sometimes it just takes that awareness and you're like oh Okay, great. And it just kind of like melts and and uh, allows for a new way of being and a new expression. Sometimes it's it's a little trickier. It requires more significant work. Um, you know, if you have sustained significant trauma and things that maybe, you know, if you have huge blocks in your memory where you don't remember large expanses of your childhood, if you know things happened and you're not quite sure of the full extent of them and they were pretty horrible, it is helpful to get help and to have someone who can also hold space for things that come up. Because sometimes when we start going into our inner child work, one of the things that can happen is that we start to have our memories start to come back and we start to remember things that happened to us because one of the things that our system does because it's so genius is that when things are too intense in the moment, it will store them. So it's like, okay, well later on when you got your shit together and you feel stable and you're living in a good place and you start looking at yourself, I'll just be here waiting for you. And uh, I'll, I'll be there when, when you have the time and the energy and the support and the consciousness to be able to process this thing. And so sometimes you will find things in there that you're like, oh, wow, I did not remember that that even happened. And so if that's the case, that's, a, that's kind of a thing that happens. So it is important if you feel that you need support to find the people that can support you through these processes. Mm, Absolutely. The amnesia that you're mentioning is one of our our lovely protection mechanisms that that we do have for uh, really, you know, the, the consciousness shutting down and taking space. And, you know, we're, this episode is not about, um, you know, the, like, uh, you know, PTSD or about, um, dissociative identity disorder. And yet these are also, um, 
you know, AKA multiple personality disorder, but like splits in consciousness in order to protect the self. And this is, you know, these are extreme examples of what happens to the brain and the consciousness when, uh, when exposed to very severe trauma. And again, that's an ex uh, you know, the dissociative identity disorder is a very extreme example. And yet this is a, a well-documented fact and a well-documented uh, tendency of, um, of the way in which the consciousness protects itself. And amnesia is a, a, um, a slightly, uh, you know, not quite so extreme, but it is also another, you know, significant protection mechanism. So with that, it is highly appropriate to seek out help, whether that's in the form of a healer or a counselor or a, um, you know, some sort of trained professional who can guide you through the process I am a pretty firm believer in the fact that you don't actually have to relive the experience in order to move through it and integrate it. Mm -hmm. I know that there are, um, you know, especially in various schools of hypnotherapy or various schools of immersion um, therapy or whatever the deal is, that there are many modalities that say, in order to release this thing, you have to relive it. I don't believe that. And I don't, condone that necessarily because what that requires is people to relive some of the most traumatic experiences of their life. Now with this, uh, you know, it is possible and I have found it to be possible to release the energy, release the charge, release the energetic signatures from a place of having the safety in place, having the context, you know, again, the things that we have as adults now that we didn't have as our child selves that we can then go and offer. I'm safe now. I have the context. I have the awareness. I have support. I have, like you said, we're saying, Kat, all of these things to hold the space for that trauma or that instance to be understood and integrated and released in the way that is most beneficial to the, the wholeness of the self. So this is, again, something, you know, tread carefully, but also, um, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to make anyone nervous about doing this. I want to instead offer empowerment of, you know, this, you can do this. People are doing this. And, uh, and again, Kat, like you were saying, sometimes it's just as simple as an awareness, you know, so that I'll share the little awareness that I had that just came up just now was, um, you know, painting in the backyard on stand up easels with my brother we each had our own easel and I saw that he was painting, you know, he's three years younger than me. He was painting some total nonsense, like paint all over the place. And my mom was praising him. And so I started painting total nonsense all over the place. And she looks at what I'm painting. She says, Michelle, you're wasting paint. I'm like, I'm doing the same thing he was doing. Why didn't I get, you know, why didn't I get praised for that? And then, um, noting like I don't paint now I and I'm not saying it's a one-to-one -one correlation but there's definitely something to go back and look at in that and that was a brand new awareness that just came up because of what Kat was saying about creativity of oh me being trying to produce something is a waste of paint so I'm going to sit with that and that's <laughs> a awareness and that might be enough mm -hmm. yeah and you know I also you know I don't, I don't know. This is kind of a whole, we're, we're definitely going to have a episode on soul retrieval very soon. This summer's coming up. Um, but next week. Next week. our next episode is soul retrieval. So we'll talk a, a lot more about this then, but I believe that a lot of the inner child work when we're talking about soul retrieval, which, you know, tune in next week, but bringing back these soul fragments that have been splintered away and, 
leave us with less than we could be having as full, whole, amazing um, expressions of ourselves. You know, these things happen in childhood where we have something that happens and there it's like the little kid part of us is just like, I'm gone. Like, I'm just, I got to hide. I got to get out of here. This isn't cool. This isn't safe. This isn't fun. I'm not doing it. And, you know, a, a lot of the, the process of soul retrieval, I believe, can be done through inner child work, through working through those parts of just meditating and finding those parts of ourselves that do feel like they're hiding and they're alone and they're afraid and they're not being seen, they're not being loved and being able to show up for them and be present with them and just be with them. And what do they need? What do they want? And you know, nine times out of 10, they need some damn love. They need some love. They need you to show up and say, I love you. 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 You are amazing. You're an incredible painter. You're so smart. You're so cute. You're so talented. You're such a, an amazing light. I love you so much. I want to play with you. I want to enjoy life with you. I want to go on fun adventures with you. What do you want to do? And when we can do that with that part of ourselves, then we get these amazing answers where we're like, oh, I want to eat more ice cream and I want to go to the beach and I want to paint paintings and I want to like uh, go, I want a puppy. I want like all of these things. And then if we actually incorporate those things into our life and we start going to the beach and we get a puppy and we start painting and think of how much more fulfilling and rewarding and enjoyable that your life is going to end up being if you actually just take a little bit of time to listen to this part of yourself that is not fully expressed. It's not fully present within you. You know, we're taught to work hard, to put our nose down, to keep our mouth shut, to uh, life is hard. Uh, you know, you have to, to do a job that you don't like in order to make money, to live in a place that isn't really where you want to live and all of these things. And the more decisions that we make in that direction, the more our child gets squished and squashed and pushed and shoved and, and loses their voice. So what would happen if you actually gave this child part of yourself a voice to be able to say, I want a damn puppy and I want to paint and like that could change everything that could just like make, you know, it doesn't have to be all about like, Oh, I have to relive my trauma or I have to I have to you know deal with this horrible thing and I have to butt around and wrench myself open and make myself feel horrible no maybe I just need a puppy and I need to paint some paintings and my life's gonna improve like 150 percent Kat do you need a puppy <laughs> times now do you need a puppy you know I need a puppy but like there's too many coyotes up here. Oh, okay. Well, get a big, big dog or a puppy that'll be a big dog. There you go. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I hear that one enough times. It's like, okay, come on. What's really going on? Um, but yeah. And asking the, I think another part of the, uh, this equation is knowing that everything that your inner child is doing is in designed to help you in some capacity, even if it's, uh, you know, it, it, is exhibiting as destructive behavior or as 
um, or fear-based, you know, so Kat, you give the example of, I'm afraid my partner's going to leave me. So, you know, maybe what that ends up acting out is that the inner child makes us, you know, be needy or clingy or caught, you know, straight, um, you know, start fights, right, to attract attention and attract reassurance because, and, and they're doing this from the, the logic piece. It's not necessarily, it doesn't make cognitive sense necessarily, but if I get them to pay attention to me, then I know that they won't leave me. Or if I, I get them to, you know, have enough focus on me, then they won't leave me. Or for me in my living situation, I, my inner child is like, we have to be on alert all the time because we never know when we're going to have to move. And, you know, it's not safe to fully settle in and I might lose all my friends because I have to move, you know, so it's not, maybe it's not safe to have a lot of friends, right? And so it's from this mechanism of trying to protect us or trying to keep us safe, even if it doesn't necessarily make cognitive sense. So then going in and having that conversation, like, yes, giving them the thing that they need, but also like, well, what are you trying to do here? Oh, you're trying to make sure that if I have to move again, it's not so traumatic. Well, here's the reality of what's happening. You know, the like digital age, I'm an adult, I get to choose where I live. You know, all these pieces are in place. So, okay, you're trying to keep me safe and trying to protect the heart. Let's steer that in a different direction. You know, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I love that you're doing that for me. Thanks for looking out. Let's protect the heart and let's, uh, or let's bring joy to the heart by having more friends and by, um, really enjoying the home like let's decorate the house and let's you know plant seeds in the house put plant roots in the house that so that it feels really good here and you know Kat maybe for the example that you were giving around um, you know I'm trying to make sure that my partner stays by causing a lot of attention and needing a lot of attention well what if we get to play with a different way of relating to that still feeling safe and secure in the relationship or you know and so it's knowing that your inner child really does have your best interest at heart even if they're acting like a bratty kid and steering your behavior in destructive ways there is a way to shift that into okay let's take the core reason of this and steer the behavior in a healthy direction to fulfill that core need it's not about that the inner child is doing anything wrong it's not that they're problem causing it's just that they don't have all the information. So they're making decisions based on incomplete information and, and probably a lack of resources, you know, cause think about, you know, little 10 year old me, I didn't have a choice where I was moving. And so, but now as 31 year old me, I get to choose what's happening. And so my 10 year old self by acting from this place, it's from a place of, I don't have the power and the resources to take care of that. So how do I give myself the power and the resources to have what I need? Yes. <laughs> uh, honestly, there's so much, you know, there's so much there, right? Mm -hmm. um, that, that we get to do this, this deeper inquiry work as to why the heck do I behave the way that I behave? Because uh, you know, honestly, it's like, I don't care how conscious you are or how much you meditate or how like amazing that your yoga practice is or like whatever it is, it doesn't matter. 
there are still moments when the inner child, because I, I see it for myself all of the time, and especially in, in relationship is where you see it probably the most, but it's, there's still those moments when that part of you takes over and does things, says things, behaves in ways that from the outside, you're like, what the heck? Like, <laughs> what the heck? This, is, this doesn't make any sense. Why are you acting out this way? You know, and so there's also that part of us you know, you know, especially if we're like, well, I'm conscious and I'm spiritual and I'm a healer. So I should be able to squish this part of myself and like stop them from behaving this stupid way and, you know, shame ourselves into uh, submission in a certain kind of way, which doesn't ever really work instead of going through these processes of acknowledging what's what's really there what's the thing underlying the thing and what are like you're saying what are we trying that inner child self what is it really trying to get and and how do we give context how do we give love and how do we support a new way of getting the desired result that we're trying to get mm-hmm Absolutely. I want to take a moment to touch upon the archetypal aspect here too. We've um, devoted a lot of time today to the lived experience of the child and knowing that our child selves, our inner child selves are a permanent part of our archetypal makeup. How do we, you know, let's, let's have a, a little bit of consideration about what is it like to be a healthy, fully expressed child and what are the qualities of that and how you know looking at what are, are the archetypes the the sub archetypes of the inner child that we have at play you know so one of the big themes that we were mentioning today was the the abandoned child and um uh or another one like the lost child right and so so looking at these well what are their signatures what are their fears what are their um, their gifts and their challenges and then looking at, okay, well, what is the, for example, the magical child, that's one that uh, I really embodied and slash still do embody when I'm in my, my innocence and in my child there that for me is a place of strength and gift from the inner child perspective. So I encourage you also to play a little bit with the, the different faces of the archetype of the child. And, uh, you know, there's kind of like the wise child, the ageless child, again, is another one of these archetypes that I think a lot of us healer types have in our makeup. The child who comes in who's like already 100 years old, right? You know, we've all met those kiddos or slash we were those kiddos or still are. And looking at what do we need in order to come into the full healthy expression of the, uh, of the child self and let it be an informed, powerful part of our archetypal makeup. With all of this, you know, I think it's really important to emphasize as we're integrating pieces of the child or of the inner child or of the childhood experiences, we're not getting rid of them. We're not saying, okay. Hey, that's done. It's released. It's gone. No, we're saying, how can I bring this into its healthy expression? 
how can I bring this aspect, you know, and, and we can do this work through all these different seasons of our lives. What is the gift and the shadow of the adolescent? What is the gift and the shadow of the adult? What is the gift and the shadow of the elder? And all of these pieces, it's not that, oh, I'm not a kid anymore. So I don't, you know, I need to release it and then move on. It's, I will always have this child part of me just as I will always have an adolescent part of me and I will always have an elder part of me, even though I haven't lived the elderhood physical embodied season of my life yet as a 31 year old, I still have an inner elder. And so it's looking to how can we come into right relation with a full healthy expression of these different seasons of our lives and know that they're all a part of our permanent archetypal makeup. Yeah, really important. And I know that someone will, you gave so many good examples of the, because I know that we will get people who are like, well, but where can I find a resource about the, you know, the child archetypes? Um, but you, you've given quite a few. And if you can think of one, it, it probably is a thing. Because, <laughs> because the archetypal energies are within us all. And so we're always like, we're always went, Oh, I want the resource to learn about the thing. And honestly, like if it's, if it's coming up for you and it's resonating with you and you can see like, Oh, these would be the, the, the shadow aspects. And these would be um, the gifts of this, of this archetype, then it, it is a thing. So don't, don't, uh, overthink it don't underthink I don't know whether you're over or underthinking here and don't overthink it Just, <laughs> you know and and actually for this uh in terms of further resources we've done a few archetype episodes so mm -hmm. healing archetypes was one that I would actually encourage you to go back and listen to healing the archetypes in light of um particularly the child the child archetype and I think that one's probably the most relevant in terms mm -hmm. of archetypal work but um having i'm trying to think of any other episodes that we've done that would be really helpful for for this work shamanic journey and, and astral travel would be helpful uh the soul retrieval episode that we'll be doing next week slash actually the um a lot of the episodes that we have going on in july we've got a i believe a past lives episode we've got a um, lunar consciousness of grief episode Episodes featuring a special guest to be announced very soon and um, and I think there's one more that I'm forgetting right now in July but July is um, a lot of those pieces that we'll be getting to will pertain to this work as well and um, and do oh emotional release and catharsis would be another really good one that we've done that pertains directly to this inner child work as well yeah so Michelle do you have anything that feels super vital to, uh, to leave people with as far as uh, doing this work and diving into these awarenesses? Yeah, I, one of my biggest, and actually and now that I'm thinking of it, also the nature of healing episode that we did pretty recently, because the thing that I'm about to say pertains directly to that, this is possible. It is absolutely possible. And, and I think that so often, we get caught up in, in a, like, can I do this? And is this real? And do I, you know, is it possible? Can I actually accomplish this in this lifetime? Or, you know, it's going to take 10 lifetimes to heal this, or am I always going to be carrying this wound around? 
And my personal philosophy, again, you're, you're getting doses of Michelle philosophy of, yes, it is possible. Yes, you can do this. And go for it. Honestly, go for it. Like, you need this. You deserve this. The world needs you to have this healing, to have this catharsis, and not only for yourself, but for all of us. So the, remember, the healing work that we do for ourselves impacts everybody. And think about just for a moment the, the healing work that we do for our own inner child selves. The, the two examples that I mentioned about the, the living situation, the, the house thing, home thing, and around the art, that is directly related to my brother, my parents, both of those, related to you know my childhood friends, related to my relationships with friends now, related to my relationships with my family now. And so imagine just for a moment that me coming into full healthy expression of, of painting, I, I have all these hangups about painting. Like it, I fully acknowledge that. And I'm just imagining, well, what would happen if I healed that? What would happen if I painted? What would happen if I let myself have that freedom? And, and the idea of, oh, I'm not wasting paint. You know, it's related to abundance and scarcity, right? <laughs> So many things at play here. There's so many things. So many things. And it's not just about me. And I, I want to leave you with that too, of all this healing that we do for ourselves is not just about us. Everything, I can guarantee everything that you do to heal your inner child and, and yourself in this child self will impact others in your life, whether they're currently in your life or they were in your life or they're yet to come. Yeah. So please know that you can do it. It's possible. Yeah. And, and especially like to think of the fact like now that Michelle has that awareness, like she would, if she has a child, she's never going to say you're wasting paint over there. Right. Like that would just, she'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm not going to say that. Uh -huh. And so without having that realization, she might not have the consciousness around, Oh, that's a thing that could actually stop somebody from being a painter. Okay. Maybe I will not say that. So, um, you know, it, it really for the next generations, especially if you have children or around children, it's important to do your own inner child work because then you have these realizations around like, Oh yeah, that might not be helpful for me to say that or do that or whatever, because that wasn't really nice when it happened to me, even though it was the standard, it was what just was, it was okay. It's still okay for that to be something you say or do to a child, but I'm going to make a different choice because that wasn't helpful for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll, I'll say like a, a little tip is like, uh, you know, just patience and kindness. I think when we're doing this kind of work that it, it doesn't have to be that you have the realization and then everything changes. Like it takes a little bit of time for things to come to uh, completion and for cycles to heal and so on. And so it's like being patient and kind with yourself. Sometimes it might cause emotions to come up or things to feel really raw and vulnerable for a time period. And so to be very kind to yourself if, if you're working on something and give yourself extra nurturing and love and, and, and compassion for going through a process which is, you know, our child is is a vulnerable aspect of ourselves. It's so, children are so vulnerable. 
And so it's important to remember, oh, I'm tapping into something that's very vulnerable. Even if it's like not a big deal, it's like our child self is very vulnerable. And so to just be extra soft, compassionate, and kind with yourself when doing this kind of work. Hmm. I think that's a beautiful place to leave our recommendations for today. If you are interested in more, please do go ahead and look into those epi other episodes that we mentioned. Again, emotional release and catharsis, shamanic journey and astral travel, and healing the archetypes, to name a few. The, uh, if you are interested in those, those are all available, all of our past episodes on YouTube, iTunes, and Stitcher. You can also find links to those through our website, shamansistersessions.com. You can also go ahead and send us an email if there's anything in particular that struck you from this or any other episode. We would love to hear from you. We've got a contact form on our website, or you can email us directly, shamansistersessions at gmail.com. Go ahead and please follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube, like our videos, help other people uh, access this information, share it out if it resonates with you. We're always looking to put this information in the hands of those who need it most. You can also support us if you're interested, if this or any other episode has spoken to you. Please consider donating to support our work. This is entirely free. It always will be. And we need your support to continue to make this happen. You can do so on Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Shaman Sister Sessions, and you can become a patron of our work. Thank you so much to all of our current and past patrons who have donated to support us, particularly our alchemical allies, Kai, and others among them, for supporting to, uh, to, for us to continue to put out this offering. We're so grateful, and it is our great joy. And next week, we will be talking about soul retrieval, right, Michelle? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, join us live so that you can uh, be present for the initial uh, transmission. And we will see you then. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye.